Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Cookie Cast. Today on Cookie Cast, it's the Darkest Timeline podcast, but this is a bonus episode. So, anybody who's listened to the Darkest Timeline podcast previously will know that I often threaten to get a guest. Well, for this episode, my threats are no longer threats, they're a reality. I got a, a guest who's been on before. But uh, one of my favourite guests, writer, director, teacher, student, Miles Watts joined me to talk where Zomblog is now from where it was when we last spoke, what he's been doing to keep going through the pandemic, and we got stuck into a juicy section of entertainment also discuss some upcoming projects or a little teaser for stuff that might be coming in the future before we get started i'm going to ask you a little favor please 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 do consider like share subscribe and comment and if you've got a spare couple of minutes leave us a review uh, it helps the podcast helps us bring you more fantastic content in the future Right, let's get started. So this, it, it is CookieCast. It is the Darkest Timeline podcast, but it's a, it's a bonus episode. So there you go. Recording in progress. There we go, recording in progress. For you, uh, for you audio people out there, you can't see the lovely faces that are in front of you. Not mine, obviously. The many faces <laughs> of... Uh, <laughs> it's one of those things. I, I have that thing where I'm like, I have to try and refrain from calling you Miles Lawatt. Because uh, A, that, that was always what you were known as. And B, I'm currently re-watching Spaced at the oh. moment, uh, and it just reminded me of it. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, I am joined by uh, writer, director, actor, uh, dog officiado, uh, anything else that you can... Teacher, student. Student, yes. Master of the arts, Miles Watts. Now, uh, any long times, as they're known in the business, any long time listeners or watchers will know that this is not Miles's first uh, foray into the the world of the cookie cast, or indeed podcasting at large. Um, last time we were here, which feels like whew, a very long time ago. Um, I was going to say, we were making a movie, but you were making a movie, and I just happened to be there at the time. Um, you were quite involved in the end, though, you? I'm quite heavy, yes, that's right. Uh, you know, I'm, <laughs> not, no. I'm trying, but you know, that cake just keeps getting in the face. Cake is the cake. They call to you in the middle of the night. They do. <laughs> they do, and then I have to come downstairs and wonder what's going on. Who is yeah. all this talking? The days. <laughs> <laughs> so... Zom, I, I the thing I always have is I can't ever quite say it. I have to prepare myself and then go in. So Zomblogalypse, yes, the movie back in uh, back in the last podcast, it was still in the process of being made. Um, 
that was a, a, a long time ago now, many moons ago. So, yeah. in your own words, how, how has that gone? How has that process gone from where we were then to where we are now? Well, it's been quite a journey, hasn't it? I, I think maybe we were, we'd shot some of it last time I spoke to you or we were in between because what we did is we, we planned a sort of, we planned around everyone's availability in 2018, which, you know, everyone had different jobs and, uh, you know, this is a low budget film zombie film so we we had to kind of gather when we could so mostly we shot weekends which is you know the classic but with the first week we did nine a nine day stretch we all took mm. a week off work and we just did that and so we shot for sort of uh, over the course of about two two or three months we shot several weekends to get a load of footage in the can and then we had a few months to sit back and which is at the end of 2018 so it's nearly four years ago now, um to sit back and assess what we had and we realized while doing that what was missing, which is a really luxurious way of making a film in one way, because you, you can go, well, we need to shoot that scene, that scene, that scene. We didn't get that scene, and maybe let's reshoot the ending. So we sort of did that. We gathered in 2019, early 2019, to do that. So the last thing we shot was pretty much about a year after we shot the first footage, which was June wow. 2019. And then after that, it took about nine months of post-production. So that was, you know chopping down the edit, which started out about two and a quarter hours, which is too long for a film, generally, especially this kind of film, it's comedy. So we chopped it down to just over 90 minutes, and we kept coming back to it and going, just, just, we'll cut that, cut that, cut that, cut that, you know, like a, yeah, like a little sculpture, and um, lose some lose some bits that were just dragging on a bit. Yeah, we get it, that bit's funny, and then it goes on too long, that kind of thing. And then we had the picture graded, uh, down in London, and we had the sound mixed in Cardiff. So that was 2020 now. We're talking 2020, uh, which is a year some people may remember. Uh, January. <laughs> the, this is the way it happened. January, down in London doing the colour grade, made it all look lovely. February, or it might be the other way around, January I was down in Cardiff doing the, the sound mix. February doing the colour grade. March... Getting close now, aren't we? March, we screened the film for cast and crew at, at the cinema in Thursk. And then a pandemic happened. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a few months of going, what the hell? But it was weird because we just screened the film. So the film was finished. So in a way, it was great timing. The film was finished. We had the cast and crew screening. And we were like, great. But the problem was then 2020, we couldn't really screen the film because no one would turn up because of the pandemic. So... It didn't really start screening till last year, 2021. Um, gradually, people started to go to stuff and wear masks and go to events and stuff. So we, we had like a year of festival screenings, which have only really just wrapped up, actually. Um, and that went just so well. And seeing it with an audience and getting getting some laurels on the poster, that kind of thing, which uh, the laurels aren't on this poster, but the poster is behind me, um, which... Yes, we we had a brief conversation before, and I was saying I was quite I was quite saddened by the fact that having to move um, podcast rooms, I don't have the poster behind me. Uh, but uh, yeah. if you watch for about two years of the podcast, there's like usually here there's like a square that was always like the bottom corner of the poster. I think that's, that's how it. I managed. Uh, that's how I managed to convince you to give me the poster at the time. I was like, I'll make sure it's on every podcast. How about that? You're like, all right, go on. Then. 
every house should have some artwork by Terry Henderson as well. I mean, the artwork, the art, it is an amazing piece of artwork, so yeah. there is that. It's beautiful, isn't it? The, sort of, the brief we gave him was, can you do a sort of Drew Struzan-type poster? And for those who don't know, Drew Struzan is a classic poster artist from the 70s and 80s and some of the 90s, and he did, you know, all the Star Wars, mm-hmm. Indiana Jones, yeah. Back to the Future, Big Trouble in Little China. Just the thing, these amazing art posters, which they don't make anymore, which is very sad. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so the Zomblog one was in the style of that, and um, yeah, again, yeah, it's a low-budget film from a web series, and we were so happy with the eventual result, which was, you know, very small amount of money we had to make it. Um, but that sort of brings us up to last year when we were like, right, so after the festival screenings, what do we do? Because in the past, as you know, we've made feature films before, and they've either been a little bit too cheap to sell. The first movie I made was seven grand. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a big enough budget film to make look good on. Or it wasn't good enough to sell on disc, really. And then Whoops, which was a film we made ten years ago. Now we made Whoops wow. nearly. Wow, it was terrifying. Um, that's on VOD. But we with this one with Zomblog, we said this is coming out on. This is going to come out on disc and streaming. We are going to sell this movie. <laughs> <laughs> We are going to sell it so that when people say, how, how can I watch Zomblog? I'm like, you can buy the Blu-ray or you can watch it on Netflix. <laughs> and we haven't got on Netflix yet, but um, we have sold the film. So it will come out on disc and streaming this year, which is really exciting. So Fantastic. Like details soon, but um, the, I think digital first, and then you can right. buy a disc packed with extras and we're recording the commentary in a, in a couple of weeks and... Um, so it will be a movie you can buy. So that's the sort of story of Zomblog from, you know... From where we were then to where we where are we now. were. So yeah. I, I did the um, I did the cast and crew screening, which yes. was, was one of those... Um, it was very much like a, a, a tense moment because it was absolutely packed. Yeah. I think it was like every seat in that, in that, in that cinema in Thirsk and then some. Yeah. Um, and it was like... Everybody's just like, what's it going to be like? Because, you know, being part of it, it was like little bits here and there or big bits here and there. But even the big bits, it's like, well, I don't really know what's going on. So to sit down and actually watch it on the screen. And I was I was worried that I was very biased because I watched it and I came away and I said to people, I was like, it, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. It was, it was funny. It was fun. It was a fun movie. It was enjoyable. Watch all of this. Um, yeah. And then recently there was, um, I'd seen a lot of, um, like uh, horror film festivals coming up, and then there was one in particular that was like, you can watch it, you can watch it on online, you can stream it yeah. to your, to your um, devices, and if you've got a TV that can access the internet, you can watch it on your TV. And I was like, right, so uh, let's do that. So uh, I, I think I think I got a ticket for that the day it was announced, and that was oh. a month in advance. I was like. I need to watch it. I need to see if it was just uh, if it if it was just that that sitting in the cinema and watching it, and the cinema was where like some of it had been filmed and stuff. Um, yeah. So I've watched it again recently and was like, no, it's it was it was super enjoyable. It was um, like there are scenes in it where it's like knowing the behind the scenes stuff. It's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I'm sort of, I was sort of at that point where I'm like. It needs to come out now. It needs to be, it needs to be available for everybody. Because I, you know, people say to me, "It's like, oh, whatever happened to 
that and and it's like I'll find out and <laughs> inadvertently put it on a podcast as well. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing when people do say when can I see it and you, you assume when can I if they ask me that now it means they didn't catch it at the festivals, which is understandable. Uh but yeah, just being able to say at some point, well look, you can buy the disc or it is coming to streaming and so over the next six months onwards it'll start appearing on streaming services. I don't know which ones, I don't know in which order. Um, I can't really say much about that, but I don't actually know it. So <laughs> like I couldn't even say, well, it'll be on this, then this, then this. All I know is that as soon as we know, everyone else will know because we want yeah. everyone to watch it. Um, and then if you're a big fan of it, we are doing um, a Blu-ray uh, release as well, which is going to be great. Um, a, a signed Blu-ray is winging its way to me any day now, is what you're saying. That's that's it. Right. That's, that's <laughs> well, actually, I, was... I think because we because we are honouring the original um, Kickstarter we did, uh, which was to get pre-production funding to go and pitch it in Cambridge nine years ago. It's, everything's too long ago, really. We had this great big spurt of activity nine, ten years ago. Um, we're honouring all the original Kickstarter um, donors because some of them were in the movie because they asked to be in the movie. Some of them got exec producer roles and stuff because they put a certain amount of money in. And then some of them will get a disc in the post. so Or they've had a poster or they'll have a whatever. But um, So, yeah, you'll get one, definitely, as a heavy, heavily involved member of crew because you ended up being a sort of... You, well, you did a little bit of everything. I remember travelling in your 4 by 4 a lot, which was great. Actually, I think yours and Chloe, the makeup artist, your your two vehicles I travelled in the most. And Chloe had a really nice Audi, <laughs> and uh, she always had loads of sweets uh, in, in a box in the glove compartment. So I was like, Chloe, can we? Can I go with you? Because so we can eat sweets and get coffee. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was my memories of working with you. And you'd always go and basically solve any problem. I'd, I'd be like, Cookie. We need someone to go and, I mean, you, you could probably write a list, a very, very long list of all the things you went and did. And I, always... I, I remember the Saturday afternoon trip to Starbucks with, I think it was something like 45, 46 coffees on a, on a list. And they were literally like, what, what is this for? It's like, uh, I just get a credit a, card and a list. <laughs> making a movie. It's like, really? Yeah. How are you going to carry all these coffees? And they gave us like, uh, like that thing that like groceries come in, like a like, oh, a, yeah, like a thing. And it was crate. like that, yeah. which we we put in the car, and uh, the literally the first corner we went round, it just went. Like, oh, that's a sea of coffee going through the car. That's that's going to be interesting. Um, I think other coffee shops are available, by the way, folks. But um, yes, we are not we are not endorsed at all. No, just turn it around a bit. <laughs> mm. Oh, that is delicious! Oh, it's such good coffee. It's got Starbucks coffee. <laughs> so, it would be it would be one of those things. I can't imagine from 2019, 2020 that you've just been sat twiddling your thumbs waiting for the release on streaming and Blu-ray. So, is that waiting for the police or waiting for the release? Release. <laughs> I was By the police. <laughs> um, so, yes. what's 
what's going on in your world where where do you put your time where do you spend your waking hours <laughs> well i again in 2020 my girlfriend vicky and i rather in a spooky piece of timing we moved house in march well we moved house on the 1st of march 2020 I know. I mean, it's tricky, isn't it? So we used to live in city centre. Now we live in, in the country, not far from a, a city, but we, we're in Yorkshire. We, we live about, you know, 10, 20 miles away. I can't remember how much it is last time I counted. But um, so we moved We moved house, settled in, and then we had to not go anywhere for months because of the pandemic. So um, so we did, you know, it was a, we did the house up. We got settled in. We watched a lot of movies. Um I started to wonder how I was going to make a living because, you know, Vicky and I run an agency and the agency depends on clients. Uh, the pandemic affected that for a lot of people, uh, big business and small, especially small businesses. They suddenly didn't have all the client lists that they did have and they'd built up for years. And if you're running a small business, it's all about the clients. You have to chase clients. You have to woo clients. You have to schmooze with clients. You go to meetings. It's just it, the work stops as soon as you're not doing that. And a lot of the work we did was for theatres, which were all suddenly closed. So <laughs> Vicky and I were sort of like, right, what? Right, okay. So we had to start thinking, well, look, let's use this as an opportunity because I wanted to write a bunch of scripts. Yeah. Because I've co-written all of the scripts that we've made into movies. Mm -hmm. So there was Crime Fighters, which I wrote with my friend Anna. There was Zombla, which me, Tony, and Hannah wrote. There's Whoops, which me and Tony wrote. Um, and... So I said, you know what, I'm going to write a couple of scripts just at home while I can, while I've got a bit of time. So I spent 2020 and summer 2021 writing feature scripts, but um, I'd written one a few years before the pandemic and I was trying a few producers and it just wasn't really getting anywhere. And I then I just, I got my co-writer on it, Christina, then gave it to a producer who gave it to a producer who gave it to a producer, if you saw it. I mean, it just sort of went up the chain came back down and they loved it and then they 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 bought it so i was like great so nice. when i say bought it i don't mean they handed me an envelope of cash and uh, they just said we, we we like the idea we want to write a contract so that we we can pitch the movie so that's that's still the case <laughs> that's that's you know we've been drafting that film and drafting that film and that's taken a couple of years so really i could say i spent the pandemic writing movies um and waiting for feedback, waiting for uh, Zomblog to get to the point where we were going to release it, which is kind of now, um, and just figuring out how to make a living. And then in the last year, I've started to do more, a lot more teaching. So, I, I but, but I decided a couple of years ago I'm not going to do anything that wasn't related directly to my filmmaking and screenwriting because. The pay is quite good when you can find jobs related to screenwriting because people mm. want your expertise and stuff and they want to hear your stories from the from the front lines and stuff. So just yesterday I was um, assessing a um, dubbing um, session at York St. John. So the film students, they did some sound mixing for a scene from Zomblog, actually. I gave it to them with nothing in it and they had to build up the sound, the music, nice. the specialist sound effects and stuff and then they played me their version and they were brilliant too uh, <laughs> really some like really few good future filmmakers there and then um 
Yeah, the other uh, screenwriting is the other thing that I'm teaching. So while I'm writing scripts, I'm also <laughs> talking to students around the country, sometimes on Zoom like this, and sometimes in person at like Hull Uni, um, York's, your college, um, and a couple more I've got coming up. And that's really about how to develop character and story and turn your ideas into screenplays that you actually then finish uh, ready for submission instead of just going, I've got this idea, and then write it for 10 years without giving it to anybody, yeah. which, which is kind of fake. So, yeah, the more time you've got, the more you can write. So I've had a lot of time in the last two years. <laughs> so I've got scripts to show for it, basically. And, and, and that's, you know, it, 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 it'd be that thing if you had all this time and nothing to show, then it'd be that question of, well, what did you do what with you all that doing? time? Um, yeah. So I... I <sighs> I wrote a list of questions that weren't so much questions. I want, I want, you know, I want podcasts to be a conversation. I don't want it to be you know, like me asking you a question and you, yeah, and, and and you know that's 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 the goal. But one specific question I wanted to ask because I knew that when we would talk, you would you would bring up the writing side of things. My yeah. my question to you as a writer is, with what's gone on in the last two year two years with moving like you say move into a house and then be told you can't go anywhere with <laughs> having that that creativity but ultimately you have to take the creativity from over here and put it onto a page or put it onto a keyboard or put it onto a screen how do you keep that motivation going how do you get up on a morning and go i'm going to go and write x number of words or x number of pages in the midst of all this and just in general yeah, that's a really good It's really difficult, is the answer. Um, basically, I make sure that I have good collaborators. So with Zomblog, it was Hannah and Tony. We always made sure we bounced ideas off each other. Plus, if you don't feel like working very hard that day or you're feeling down or you're feeling unmotivated, one of the other guys will do something. Guys and girls, I should say. Guys doesn't really cover the whole spectrum, does it? But um, folks, one of those folks... So, you know, I'd be like, oh, I'm stuck on this idea. And Hannah would go, well, I'll have a go at it. And Tony goes, well, I'll have a right at this scene. So that's that's how I've always worked. And then, like with Christina, she and I very much, uh, with the with the script that we, with, that we sold, she kind of took my idea and beefed up the characters and then sort of fed it back to me. And then I wrote a couple of action sequences and then sent it back to her. And then she went, okay, I think this character would do that. And we did a lot of character work. So, so it's a sort of ongoing... We're sort of prodding each other. What, which bit should we do next? What, how are you getting on with that bit? How are you getting on with that bit? Whereas if I'm writing alone, I mean, I do write alone, but um, we do have the odd session. We had a very intensive session last year in, in uh, Edinburgh where I went up and met the producer and the writer of one of my films, and we just bashed it out for three days. We just went, right, let's start on page one and work out everything that should be in this and shouldn't be in this. And that was good, but also headache-inducing. <laughs> um, whereas when you're sitting there writing, you know, but what, one thing I've definitely learned in the last couple of years about is structure. Um, I used to sit down and just go, fade in, so-and-so, so-and-so does this, so-and-so does that, and just write fairly. Now I can't go in without a very, very clear roadmap, so I have to have, a, at the moment I'm doing this, I'm writing a, a comedy sort of thriller. And I had what I had to do is write down the five-act structure first and make sure it made structural sense. Came up with the idea first. You know, and then I still go, okay, well, here are the events, here are the characters. And then t until I've got a really good roadmap of what's in the film and where it leads, where it ends, where it begins, 
who are all the characters I can't really sit down and write. So I'd say, you know, spend a lot of time drinking coffee and writing notes and don't feel that you have to sit down and fill pages because it's a lot easier to fill pages when you are when you have a bit of a bit of a plan. Um, I've got very lost writing screenplays before. I'm like, you know, I get to act two and I'm like, oh, God's sake. Um, I'll write this scene. And then you write it, you're like, oh, that's, that, that scene's not very good. Why is that not very good? And you realise, because you've just rambled, you know. He says this, she says this, they go there, he does this. Like, well, Whereas when you look at you, right, you're oh, right, okay, by page 20 or so, I'm supposed to have got to this bit. Um, again, this is how a lot of people work. I know some that don't. I know Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg, for example, when they write their scripts, they stick to a very rigid formula, mm. um, which you could, if you Google, it's really great. I'll watch any of their film making ofs, actually, because if you've got the Cornetto trilogy on Blu-ray, which which if you haven't, you should. Um, <laughs> there's a great flipboard thing they do where they write down all their ideas, all their characters, what's in the film, and then they start condensing it, putting it in structure. They actually go for page number, like they said. So on page 17, Sean will do this. On page 25, Sean will do this. Um, and they know their ending and they know what the setups and payoffs are and stuff. And that's something I really enjoy doing. So I, I sat down to write a screenplay two weeks ago, a new one, which I want to, I've, I've attached a producer and I've got to write it though. Nothing will happen until I've, I've written it. Very bright in there, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> it's that low sun, isn't it? A, a, a rather large vehicle has pulled up over the road from my house <laughs> oh, and is now bouncing sunlight into the room and I'm a bit like can we, can we move it's actually an ambulance that's the other thing I'm like can we move so self I know so self I know I mean what you know don't you understand can you back up a bit can you back just, up just a bit take it me? literally two feet I'm like, I've just been moving like I started here and I'm just like uh... I had to bring my blind down there because I'd have the same problem um, we've actually used a vehicle as a bounce board on a movie before I'm sure. I think it was Crime Fighters. I think there was a scene with an ambulance, and we had to back it up and bounce the light off it for some extra light, and it threw some light on the actors' faces. So you know that that in that it's really it. working for me. I know that much. <laughs> It'll go in a minute, unless the person's like requires like hours of help. In which case, you're screwed. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, so it's it's so yeah, collaboration for me is how I keep going. I think if I felt I was on my own, I would. And I'm quite productive and I'm quite organised, but if I felt like I was completely on my own and just had to sit and write for a few months and then hand in a thing, I think I'd be a bit lost. So, um, and this might this is one of those we might have to take a, a technical break shortly, um, yeah. but off the back of what you've said there, my, my sort of follow-up question is, when, you, um, when you're writing and you put like something of yourself into what you're writing... If, if collaboration is key, do you ever have to deal with that? You've, you've put a lot of work in something and somebody else comes along and says, well, this is terrible, this is awful. How have you come with this? This doesn't work, this doesn't flow, this character is like... And how do you, I suppose, deal with that feedback or even that criticism or, you know, if, if collaboration is the key, do you just resign yourself to, at some point, somebody's going to tell me I didn't do a good job? but they're going to do it in a constructive way or how do you deal with that side of it? Yeah, again, that's a really good question. That's a question I, I hear people ask a lot because they, you know, I know one or two writers who are fantastic, but they fear uh, criticism. 
terribly because it's horrible. It's horrible being told, yeah, this is good, but this bit's not so good. But I've, I, you know, it's always you have to develop a thick skin. They, you know, they say as a writer, and you do. But at the same time, you have to be quite flexible as a writer because start from the, the the end product. The screenplay is not a finished piece of work. A screenplay is going to change whether or not you're directing it, which is unlikely if you're a writer, you're not also likely going to be directing it as well, especially like in Hollywood, you're most likely going to be selling a script or or other writers might take yeah. it over. Yeah. So the screenplay, it will change. It will change on the set with the actors. It will change. Um, the director will change it. The editor will change it. The producers will change it. So you can't be too precious about a screenplay. However, there are certain like building blocks which if you've put them in place... They should work enough for a collaborator to go, this bit's really good, but you set this up and I think maybe it'd be better if you explore that, it that way and then that way. And if they're right, they're right. That's the thing you have to realise is if someone gives you criticism and you think they're right, you have to just forget your ego and just go, no, you're right, that is. But if you disagree with them, you can say, I don't, I'm not sure about that. I'll think about that. And the good thing about a screenplay is there's no rush, usually. Um, so you should take your time, you know, you should really, really take your time. There's no point in going and filming something where the script is not finished. Yeah. Do you want to pull your blind? <laughs> I'm working on the principle that any minute it's good, it'll be gone, <laughs> so it'll be fine. But... You look that, like you're quantum leaping or something. Well, I'm working on the principle <laughs> that maybe I'm ascending. Maybe this is my ascension to my God form. Like um, a really slow Jesus, really yeah. slow. Yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, it's it, this is it, this is my final form. I am I am a golden god like uh, like Dennis. <laughs> um, what what is going to be a good idea is for us to take a small break, Techno technological break as we like to call it these days. Um, when we return, we will talk horror, the genre, to a degree. We'll be back momentarily. Recording in progress. It is indeed. And we are back, back talking with Miles Watts. We're talking movies, writing movies, watching movies, being in movies, and everything <laughs> in between. Um, so we were talking about motivation, how to keep motivated and stuff, um, how to collaborate, how to get the best out of a bad situation, things like that. So I was going to switch things up a little bit. Um, I thought that you might be a good person to ask about something that um, I've been wondering about recently. Um, <clears throat> horror as a genre. Um, I I listen I listen to multiple podcasts. Um, in between making multiple podcasts, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and there seems to be this overriding thing across a, a particular genre being the horror genre that uh, you know where have all the good horror movies gone where where are all the good horror movies um i i was i was talking to somebody recently saying about why we go back and watch older things over and over and over and over again but newer things we rarely watch more than once more than a couple of times and, and why that is and you know same for things like music and tv and this that and the other you know you'll happily sit, sit down and watch something that's 20 years old that you've seen 20 times than something that's two years old that you've seen once and why that is something that sort of struck me as as a kind of a a rolling question would be do you think there is a cap 
for horror. Do you think when somebody comes up to make something horror-based, there is a line that they potentially won't cross? Is there such a thing as too scary? Yeah, I mean, that, that is an interesting question. Um, the first bit, I think, like, I think most horror fans know that there's, there are really good horror movies being made even today. I mean, you know, we just the other day we watched X by Ty West, which is just brilliant, starring uh, Britney Snow, General Ortega. I mean, he's a great film director. He's uh, He did um, The Innkeepers, which we watched the other night as well, and also House of the Devil. Um, and, you know, filmmakers like Adam Wingard, who did the new Blair Witch and that. So there are there are a lot of good horror filmmakers these days and, and a, like every week there seems to be a new horror film coming out like Host mm. by the um, there's Jed uh, Rob and Gemma the team that did that um, is it Rob Savage Gemma Hurley um, Jed Thomas they did this amazing film called Host and they've got a new one called Dashcam coming out um, and then Jordan Peele, and yeah. you know, there's there's so many great modern horror movies like in, and it follows and the Babadook and all these movies, and people love them because they're just so it, horror is mainstream. I think Lucio Fulci said that once. He said horror is mainstream. Hmm. It's not a genre. It's just mainstream. People want to go and get the. Sh- they want to be scared, which leads yeah. me to the next. How scared do they want to be? And I, I've got a limit. You know, I um, I've watched horror films before. I was like. Ooh, that is an acquired taste. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, Fulci's an acquired taste, and um, George Romero is possibly an acquired taste for some. Although yeah. most people would agree that Dawn of the Dead, nineteen seventy-eight, is just the best thing ever made. Uh, <laughs> and um, I, I have limits in terms of what I personally find disgustingly, awfully unwatchable. Um, usually, if a film is funny or just brilliantly made, or well acted, or brilliantly shot, and then something absolutely disgusting happens, I'll kind of tolerate it. I mean, that's true of X, actually. It's about a bunch of kids who go out to make, in the 70s, go out to make a porn movie in an old house. And some of the stuff that happens is downright, and not sexy, by the way, downright disgusting. But it did make me go, bloody hell, (laughs) what am I watching? I saw saw a trailer for that film, recently it was and it was like uh it looks it looks interesting like the trailer was really yeah. well done it sort of yeah. gave you enough but not too much that's it he's a very good filmmaker he always picks really good actors very interesting and the, and uh the innkeepers which is his first, second movie was a is a slow burn but it's got these bits in it which which take the piss out of jump scares it takes the piss by it. early in the thing. It's a guy going, oh my God, look at this, look at this. Ah, one of those demons appears and you're like, okay, I get it. This movie is going to tease me by thinking there's a jump scares coming. And then when there is, it's going to shit, shit me up. <laughs> and you're like, I get it. It's a movie that doesn't want to rely on jump scares. So it's going to creep me out. And then any minute now I'm like, oh, I can't look, I can't look. So yeah, it's good. Um, but, but you know, old films, and I'm thinking, I'm just looking at my collection. Now, I'm just thinking old films like, you know, The Thing. Um, I say old, it's, the thing is a younger film than me, you know, I was born in the 70s, came out in the 80s um, you know, pick pick a favourite horror, horror movie um, you'll watch it again and again and again um, 
because partly nostalgia, I think. So you can watch something you know well. Yeah. You go, I know, I know what I'm going to get out of that movie. Every time you stick Star Wars on, you know what you're going to get out of it. Every time you stick Back to the Future on, you know exactly the feeling you're going to get out of it, and you want to recreate that feeling. Whereas new horror movies, you want a little bit of a surprise and what's going to happen, and is this going to scare me? Is it going to shock me? Is it going to entertain me? Um, some people hate gore. I mean, I was just talking earlier to um, my friend Emily, who's probably listening to this because she's a big fan of podcasts, so she said she'd listen to it. Um, Hi, Emily. <laughs> She's just gone out to L.A. for a couple of weeks to see her uncle. Nice. Uncle Charlie. Hi, Uncle Charlie. Um, and she was saying that her auntie can't stand, like her auntie won't watch the Zomblog movie because of, it's got gore in it, even if it's comedy gore, whereas Uncle Charlie probably will watch it. Um, some people just can't stand gore. Oh, you know, I'm not watching it because it's gory. No, can't stand gore. Yep. Um, yep. I, I don't mind gore, but some gore would make me go, ew, like drills through the head or certain you know bone snapping or if, if something mm. was done in a certain way you want you know a neck breaking you kind of no one of the ones that always got me was the pencil in the ankle in yeah is it the evil. first evil dead yes it is the i think it's the evil first dead. one the pencil in the really... ankle and the and it's a proper like and that was and always like the you um fake, but it, it, it doesn't seem fake because they used a real Prosthetic, which yeah. sounds silly. Yeah, the, um, the nail down the arm in Hellraiser. Because yes. it proper, like, gouges that, and it's like... Hmm. like just and, and often, little things, you know, small things can, can have yeah. the biggest impact. Um, we were also talking the other day about... Um, I'll do a little plug for my other podcast. I'm, I'm starting a podcast with my friend Marcus called Hammerheads, which is... Um, we're going through a bunch of Hammer movies, um, we just did Curse of Frankenstein and we're going to do like one for every year they brought our movie out we're going to do a podcast so next time we're doing Dracula the one with um, Christopher Lee um, and you know we were talking about the difference between those movies and modern horror movies and at the time Curse of Frankenstein which was 1957 um, in fact this week is the 65th anniversary of Curse of Frankenstein wow it's the first horror film Hammer did in colour and it was, it was people were shocked because there was red blood in it, you know, really fake-looking red red blood. Well, it was paint back in those days, wasn't it? They painted the zombies green and they used red paint for the blood when they were like doing zombie paint. movies. <laughs> so, so like, people were like, "Oh God, this is horrible." Um, modern makeup's a little bit more, um, a little bit more kindly, isn't it? But um, a touch. But so, and I was talking on this podcast about how I can't stand it when animals get. Um, injured or killed in movies so it actually mm. that would put me off so if i saw a dog at the beginning of a horror movie i always go are they just going to kill the flipping dog off because it's just going to n- piss me off if they do that you know kill the people that's what they're there for <laughs> I, I i had a similar thing where i, I recommended uh, the first john wick to my sister and i just yeah, got a message well, from her that was like why would you recommend me this film they killed the dog at the start and i was like oh spoilers by the way but uh yeah they, they, they killed the dog i was like uh, for, yeah. for, forgot that that was like the catalyst for the whole film. It does make you very, very sympathetic for John because you're like, you go get those motherfuckers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kicked your dog. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's horrible. So I guess it comes down to personal taste. Like I'll, I'll tend to watch stuff. Um, I will watch any movie that kind of tickles my fancy. Oh, that sounds good. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check that out. And then I'll either think it was 
fair enough, entertaining, okay, and not really think about it again. Or I'll end up wanting to buy it on disc <laughs> and uh, talk about it a lot on Twitter and, and watch it again and again and again. And I guess it's personal taste. Like, um, you know, I, if I, in fact, I just, I'll show you what I just acquired on Blu-ray. You'll like this. Cause, yeah, I know you like this movie. Oh, oh, exceptional choice. For you audio listeners, it was uh, it was Battle Royale. Mm. Battle Royale. Beautiful. A, a 4K. Oh. Uh, so it's going to look super gory. And I mean, that talk about realistic, uh, uh. realistic special effects. For those who don't know, Battle Royale is basically the Hunger Games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I know people who are like I'll watch anything you know supernatural. I'll watch anything this that and the other, but they won't watch anything that's real that could be real. Like if it could no. be real, they have no interest because it's too yeah. too close. It's too possible it could happen. I guess it's um, personal t- like some people won't watch kitchen sink drama because they think it'd be too depressing and boring. You yeah. know, um, some people just will not watch horror. Some people oh I don't like zombies or oh, they scare me. Like, I know when we were making Zomblog, Hannah is scared of. She doesn't like that kind of thing. She doesn't like horror makeup. So she actually looks around at the zombies all made up on the set, in knowing that they're her mates. And she feels a little bit uneasy. And I'm like, see, that doesn't register with me at all. Um, but I but I am squeamish about other stuff. I think we actually started watching a movie recently. And it's a movie I really wanted to see. And it's called Raw, um, which is by this fantastic director. And he's done a, a movie since... Uh, and they're all they're all doing really really well, but it but it had animal, it had the threat of animal abuse in the first ten minutes, and I was like, without wishing to sound like a massive hippie, I had to look it up and see if it had, and they, it was like, yeah, I wouldn't watch this movie if you don't like seeing uh... animals. Which is a shame that I censored that for myself, but I'm happy yeah. for it to exist. It's, it's a movie, and lots of people like it, but I I don't think I'll be watching it. Um, it'll just depress me too much. I care too much about animals. <laughs> don't care about people in movies because they like. <laughs> You can die, you can die, you can die, as long as the dog survives. You know what I mean? You're watching Friday the 13th, ten teenagers get killed, you're like, ah, they're actors, it doesn't matter. They knew what they were signing up for. It was their fault for going to the woods. But if they kill the puppy, I'd be like, nah. Um, (laughs) Ah, So, um, so a couple of things. One, you beat me to uh, asking you about your new podcast, and uh, I will, so I will still come come back to talking about podcasts because uh, I know it's not it's not actually your uh, your first, and we'll go through that. No. Um, going back to part of the question um, about horror, um, uh, the the reason that I was asking was it something that has had, had recently sort of had happened to me. I was in a situation where. Um, uh, Leanne had gone away for the weekend, um, so it was just me, my youngest, uh, the dog, the cats, you know, all that sort of thing. So during the day, everything's really busy, and then as as the day goes on, and you know, and you know, it gets gets dark and it gets quiet, and and after a while, that the, there's like that little part of your brain that starts talking to you, like, oh, this is interesting, and starts like feeding things into you, like, oh, what if the what if there's a monster behind the door, and it was like. I reached a point where my brain had created a scenario where I was like, "That's actually like a like a really cool premise for like a horror movie," but then my brain went, "Yeah, yeah, it is." But what if it was like this, or or what if this happened? And I got to a point where I was like, "I I can't, I don't want to play this game anymore. I'm I'm gonna to have to go to bed now." And and it was off the back of that I was like. Is there a point where somebody says, "Let's do this as a as a, as a horror concept," and somebody else has to say, 
I don't think we can do that because nobody will watch it because it's gone too far. It's too, and again, it ties in some of the things we've been saying. Like if it's too real, if it's too yeah. close to home, too close to the bone, if it puts all of those things together, is there such a thing as too much? Is it too scary? Too whatever? Yeah, and I guess again, it's personal taste. Like you know, you could some people. I know most of my friends with kids, like similar to me and dogs. I don't have kids yet, but I have a dog. Um, most of my friends with kids can't watch kids in peril. And I'm sure you're the same. You got you got three kids. Yep. You, you know, you you don't like to watch a baby or a toddler or nope. a kid in trouble nope. or being bullied nope. or but you know it's, it's horrible. So you, that's your limit, you know. Um, if I said, "Oh, well, I've written this movie and it's about this kid and he, he gets his leg hacked off at school," you'd be like, "No, I don't know." But that means you personally wouldn't watch it. But I suppose the broader you get, the fewer people you're going to offend. But the more esoteric you get, like you know, let's talk human centipede. Someone must have point at some point said, um, "Why are you making this film about these people with their bot- bottoms and lips stitched together?" Why? why? <laughs> and it's that thing after 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 seeing Human Centipede, most people were like, "Why did they make this film?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there you go. It had an audience, and then someone wanted to make it. But you know, at least it I didn't really- get any sequels. No, we had Human Centipede too, didn't we? And then and then Human Centipad in South Park, which is this. <laughs> The best version, I think. Um, but yeah, Vicky and I recently watched, rewatched um, *Midsummer*, which is a cracking horror movie from Ari Aster, who did Her- *Hereditary* as well. And we, we, we were like, at one point, I said, what, "What do you reckon the deal is with Ari Aster and this whole flipping organizing people, dead people, into interesting dioramas? You know, why, why do you do that, mate? <laughs> I don't know." But it works in the movie. But I spent the whole second half of Midsummer. I'd seen it before, but I was going, "What's the fascination with this? <laughs> Why is he making like blood angels and stuff?" I, I wouldn't do that. Some Although, people I, just, some people just like it. Some people, it's there. like, like you said, you had an idea for a movie from from the, the you know, the noises behind the door. I had an idea for a movie which I've written as a short and actually trying to find a budget for at the moment, which came from a. Um, a Deliveroo uh, that I got. And I don't want to spoil too much, but it started my imagination going as to the, the fate of this Deliveroo driver. And then another film I, I'm planning, I told my my writing partner the premise, and she went, oh my God, that is, like, not sick, but she said the central image of it is, that is strong. Where did you come up with that idea? I went, well, it's a great thing to um, for someone to want to get revenge for having done to them. <laughs> She went, fair enough, but bloody hell. <laughs> so even I can come up with some fairly ghastly concepts, but generally I do like the comedy horror, but I can just see myself veering into a few darker ones <laughs> over the next yeah, few every years. Every now and then you need a palate cleanser, don't you? It's like, here's a, here's a, here's a comedy horror movie and here's a traumatic horror movie. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I can't... I, I like jokes, I like being silly, I like saying silly... I like watching a film that's 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 scary but then someone has a quip and it offsets the horror a little bit um but i also like balls to the wall horror movies that are not at all funny uh, and you know from classics like don't look now the shining that kind of thing which is quite funny actually um to, to stuff like um babadook and it follows you know there's there's, there's humor in it but it's terrifying it's a scary movie it follows 
it just keeps making you jump and creeps you out and it's made to scare you which is fun it's fun being scared artificially scared it's not much fun being scared in real life is it but we all we're all scared of stuff so from um from setting up this podcast that you and I uh, spoke offline for X amount of stuff. Some stuff that we were talking about was uh, some stuff that we're going to do in the future. Might be an idea to give a little taste of it now. So um, to 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 make a re- to make a, a quite long story a lot shorter. Um, I I, re- I recently uh, lost a family member. Um, that family member was uh, a big. Uh, a big Marvel fan and a big Star Wars fan, uh, and as a as a as a as a homage, I said I'm going to watch all the Marvel films back to back, from start to finish, and wow. it took me it took me a while. I my life doesn't afford sit down watch movie. My life affords sit down watch a third of a movie. Two days later, watch a third of a movie. So it took it took me X amount of time, and I took a picture at the end. Uh, I sent it to my relatives. I was like, "Look, I, I completed the Marvel films in all in honor of uh, of my of my family member." And what I got back was, "Right, best crack on with the Star Wars films then." And I was like, <sighs> and "I was a bit like, do I have to?" <laughs> and this sparked a conversation with myself and a few other people, and um, uh, and I was like. Do you know something? That sounds it sounds a little bit like a podcast. And I was yes. like, if there is one person on the face of the planet to collaborate, as as we've spoken about, uh, with with to do a podcast about a particular subject, and that subject being Star Wars, I could only think of one person. That person would be yourself. Um, hey. So. Um, we, you, you and I, possibly others, possibly uh, possibly some guests, nice. uh, are probably going to look at doing a bit of a uh, deep dive into um, the mistake I made. I was like, well, you know, it's only nine movies. <laughs> no, it's not. It's eleven for a start. So there was yeah. th- there was that. Uh, the ups and downs, the ins and outs. Um, I, I, I will be reprising my role of man who had his childhood murdered. Right. Um, you, you can play the role of uh, man who loves Star Wars. And yes. we, will, we will get guests on to talk about um, love it or hate it, uh, Star Wars, a, a, a journey. Uh, in that future. sounds great. I mean, and also, I'm, I'm uh, someone who loves Star Wars and has you know since the beginning since the, the 70s basically when i went to see them at the cinema um i've had a had a sort of wibbly wobbly relationship with star wars in the noughties and and the teens but have recently changed my opinion on a lot of things so that should be an interesting few discussions um yeah deep dive sounds like exactly the kind of thing i'd be up for um, I had um, just as a as a as a as a teaser, let's say. Um, I um, 
I, re I recently rewatched all 11 films. Um, I haven't ventured outside of the films, even though I have watched things like some of the animation, the the, C yeah. the, the CG stuff and things like that. I have watched yeah. The Mandalorian, but I haven't watched The Book of Boba Fett. You know, it's that kind of... I wanted yeah. to be... I wanted to go for the core. And some people yeah. would say the core is nine films, and some people would say the core is the 11 films and, and whatever. Yeah. Um, I watched them. Um, I... I I love the uh, original trilogy, uh, and I'm watching it this time through. I haven't seen it in many years. Watching mm. it this time through, I was just like, "They are, they are amazing. They are literal works of art." Um, yeah. I am not the biggest fan of the prequels, shall we say? And I, I had seen the uh, sequels once her film because that was enough so i have now seen those twice uh, as with uh, rogue one and solo um mm. my opinion was changed for some things uh -huh. my opinion was reinforced for others um <laughs> but okay but yes i feel that uh something that we can put on the cards and we can we can discuss and like I say we can get some guests here and there and, uh, and and do a bit of a deep dive into that. So that's something that for people to look out for. I was going to say, anybody who's listening to this might, right now might want to pause it and very quickly jump over to YouTube and just check out uh, Miles' background when he was uh, when he was saying, uh, I'm a big Star Wars fan. And it's like, uh, <laughs> really? <laughs> we, we, we wouldn't be able to work that one out. Um, speaking of, of podcasts, like I say, you did, you did uh, kind of beat me to it. So um, you're doing a new one. You've started a new one. You talk, you, you've talked about that one. Uh, but it's not your first. Um, something that I wanted to ask you as a, as a whole, um, like we discussed, you're, you're a writer, you're a director, um, you, know, you, you work in movies and stuff. How has making the it's it's not a huge jump, but how is making that jump to podcasting uh, working for you? I find it rewarding actually, and and I can't claim to be the technical genius behind it. My friend Marcus Wilson, who's my oldest friend from childhood, actually we've known each other for a good forty years or so. Um, he is a web designer, and so he knows yeah. all knows what he's doing with the technical side of things so he's done all the, the recording and the editing we did a, a series last year called Tintin Cast which is on uh, YouTube which yep. goes through Tintin books and we're still doing that because there are there are beyond the main Tintin books there's loads of other Tintin stuff so we just recorded new one of those and then Marcus we, we were looking for something to do similarly um, Marcus had had some bad luck in his family and we wanted a project so I won't say too much about that because it's not really my job to do it, yeah. but, but that's, that's why we started it. I was like, why don't we do something that will keep us occupied for a long, long time? And then this, the new one, um, I was looking at this BFI website and it said there's this list of, of 17 great Hammer Horror movies you can watch, one per year of production. There are more than 17 Hammer Horror movies. But we said, let's start there. It starts in 57, it ends in 74, which is the year we were both born, me and Marcus. So we said that'd be good. So we're going to do one film per episode. So semi-regular every couple of weeks. The next one is Dracula. And we're going to have a really cool guest on that who's, who's writing a book on Christopher Lee. Um, wow. So 
Yeah, so I found it very much an outlet for gassing about movies when I'm not, you know, I've not been able to leave. I mean, I, I leave the house, obviously, but people, in the last couple of years, people have not been able to get together as easily as they used to be able to. Marcus lives yeah. in Edinburgh a couple of times, but we're, we're not able. To. So we said, let's do something online, something regular, something that lets us do a lot of research, a lot of watching of movies and a lot of chatting. Uh, you know, I just bought Dracula on Blu-ray for the purposes of watching it and watching the extras and then chatting with Marcus, chatting with Steve and the guests, you know. Um, and it's just lovely to to chat when you're not sat, when you can't go and sit in cafes yeah. and over coffee. So it's, it's a really, for me, it's replaced, out of necessity, it's replaced... Uh, having a in-person social life in a lot of ways. <laughs> I, 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 um, um, I'm a big believer that uh, podcasting probably in some way saved me from various, you know, you know, there are times when I think I might have gone a little crazy without it. There are times that I think I'm going a little crazy with it. Um, <laughs> there are, there are, I, I, I work on the principle that I do a, I do a podcast every week and it's my version of therapy. Uh, yeah. But then I saw I saw a, a, a female comedian posted a, a joke. I think it was on Twitter, and it was like, "Why do men uh, start podcasts instead of going to therapy?" And I was a bit like, uh, uh, it's "Probably, probably, <laughs> probably a good point there." Um, and then I so then I just leaned into it and was just like, "It is therapy. It's it's talking." It's and absolutely agree, and I, and I think um, whether or not you live with someone whether or not you have a partner whether or not you're very social or you're not very social talking on these things is a way of sorting out your own thoughts mm -hmm. and i think just generally talking about stuff is very very healthy um because we tend to clam up especially i'm speaking from point of view of a, of a, of a man mm -hmm. we we can be guilty of clamming up and not expressing ourselves uh, or you go on twitter and there's lots of people going I'm sure we'll talk about Star Wars in great depth, but you get these people just go on and go, the sequels are crap, I hate everything. And you're like, whoa there. <laughs> Hold on a second. Let's, Maybe let's unpack with... this for a moment. Exactly. Instead of just putting out this clangor out there and just going, no, everything's shit. Um, Star Wars is as good a place to start as any because we all have a lot of thoughts on it. <laughs> a for, for, a, for a long, long time, a lot longer than I should probably admit to, I've had this um, this huge idea of, of starting a mental health podcast, and yeah. and I was running along with it, and it, it it was one of those I often find when you when you're looking at starting a new podcast, you've kind of already built it, you just don't realize it. It's when you try and put it like for you when you try and start writing something for the first time, you realize you you've practically done a lot of the legwork in your head. Yeah. I find the same with podcasting when you when you're coming up to do a new podcast. There is a lot of um, oh, I've already done the work. It just yeah. made, and I have this weird. I had this firm belief that nobody would want to do it, nobody would want to listen to it, and nobody would think it was a good idea. And I almost by accident mentioned it in a group chat with people that I podcast with the other day. I was like, oh, I've always had, I've always had it in my head that I would do a mental health podcast, and the uptake they're like that's an amazing idea you should you know you should definitely do that we'll all we'll all come on we'll all talk it's a group a group of guys who i know from from my experience each one of those has had something 
in the last, yeah. especially in the last couple of years, where it's that yeah. brick wall moment where you're like, and now my life has completely changed. And it's that, the, you know, and I was like, the, the, the premise being is, the question is, how are you doing today? How are you doing this week? And one week, somebody's going to say, I'm fine, I don't, I don't really have anything to talk about, but do you want to talk? And the next week, the same person might be like, do you know something? This week hasn't been great. And the, that, that defeatist, oh, nobody's going to want to listen, nobody's going to want to do it, to, oh, I think I should have probably been doing this for a while, maybe. Um, so It's like a big stretch, isn't it, after you've got cramp. It sort of feels like, oh, I needed to do that. And I think, like, especially in the last two years with the pandemic, people who maybe previously haven't addressed the fact that mental health is uh, affects every single person. You might not like to think it does, but it does. Um, if you don't think it does, it probably does. Um, but I think in the last two years, everyone in the pandemic has had something happen to them or just generally being in a pandemic has really screwed people up. Yeah. And I think people, people have addressed the, the issue of mental health when previously they haven't before. And it's so important. It's so important to, to, to give voice to it um, to even just one person, you know. I have, um, I, I have a couple of a couple of friends who are like major social butterflies. Like their their lives really do re- sort of revolve around. I'm seeing this person at this time. I'm going out to do this. I'm going here. I'm going away. I've got I've got a wedding. I've got this to go to. I've got you know. I, I'm I'm doing a sporting event. You know, and it, and it's literally. Yeah. Every day, their working life, their job is the smallest part of their day. And then they were told, you can't leave the house, you can't see people, you can't go to the pub, you can't. And their life went from, like, to... Yeah. And it 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 was hard to watch those people deal with that. Yeah. But like you say, coming off the back of it, those people then had to say... I'm not doing okay today. I'm not doing okay this week. I'm not doing okay this month. And I never looked at it like that. And and no. mental health is so incredibly important and so many people just stick it on the back burner. I'll get to it. I'll get to it when I get to it. And then something goes goes wrong. Um, yeah. So, and, and everyone's got some kind of mental health yeah. issue they need to talk about. Absolutely. Everyone. Absolutely. Even if you if you've got into it with anybody, you, you oh my problems are not no my problems are not. If I, if you can if you can honestly manage your problems without needing to then that fine that's one thing. Not everybody has the need to, but if you can't manage and you think people just wouldn't be interested, you're wrong because someone whether it's a professional or a friend or a stranger or someone on a whatever. Someone somewhere, and probably a lot of people, understand what you're going through and are going through what you're and, going and through. They, and this was, and this was the thing where I was like, in passing, oh, I've all, I've, I've for ages been fancying on doing this podcast, and it was like absolutely, and and I couldn't believe how how the the group the group of people I was talking to were just like so like that's that's an idea that is something that that we should be doing we should have already been doing and you know uh, the i i was talking about it sort of in a in a small group but that that group like we need to get people on we need to get guests on we need to have a rolling thing we need to have a different person each week and and we need to like we can swap in and out but as long as it's you know it's happening it's like 
oh wow you can see that importance and that hunger for yeah. making sure that people are okay because like I say this is the thing it's like it, uh, I, I haven't actually got it off the ground yet and it needs to be it needs to be a thing, um, obviously. I think it does need to be a thing. I'll, I'll quite obviously open it. open invite to yourself. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, get get the word out. It'll be like sort of a, uh, I don't know what it, what you would call it, like a a collection of people yeah. that can sort of drop in and out and stuff. Um, yeah. Technology is against us once again, and we are still not at the end of this podcast. So, another small break. And we'll, we'll yeah. try and wrap things up with a nice juicy bow. So we'll be back in a second. Alrighty. Recording in progress. Third time's a charm, as they say. So we're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. Um, so far, so good. It's been. It's been good. It's been. It's been enjoyable. Um, it, yes, it's, it it's one of those. Um, not to. Not to blow too much smoke, but you were always a, a favourite guest of mine, uh, one that I've been uh, I've been Cheers, wanting to get to get back on. Um, absolutely has nothing to do with uh, with uh, the success of the last one you did. Um, <laughs> so let's talk some fun stuff. Um, I do a podcast every week, and every week it's basically. Me talking for about half an hour about uh, the stuff that I've done in the last week, which I'm sure you can imagine is riveting. Um, <laughs> but then I like to talk fun stuff. Uh, I, I'm a, I, I, I think the term that, that they use now is I'm a dad gamer, oh. which means you know you play for about 45 minutes before you fall asleep on the sofa. Um, <laughs> so I talk about computer games. I talk about. Um, virtual reality when i can get my hands on my, my vr headset i talk about um tv shows movies um you know a, an interesting book i've read an interesting podcast i've listened to um i know from things like uh knowing you as a person and uh your uh pr prolific presence on social media you like a good movie slash oh, yeah. tv show slash whatever so not to put you too much on the spot but if you had to pick the three not necessarily it doesn't have to be the best but the three movies you would recommend right off the top of your head now what would they be as in all time kind of thing. just just you saw something okay. you saw something recently and you thought every person I speak to from now until the end of time I'm going to recommend this film to times three <laughs> go I saw a movie quite recently called Love and Monsters which I loved uh, on Netflix yeah it came to Netflix um, recently and it's um, about a guy in the near future who has to find his way across the country during an apocalypse in which all the insects on the earth have turned to gigantic size and uh, on the way he meets a dog does the dog die judging by my um kind of movie i like i'm not going to spoil it for you um <laughs> let's just say i enjoyed the movie um it's it's got <laughs> the dog doesn't die um that's not a spoiler is did they have point. to put I, I seem to think at some point they had to put that in the advertising 
That's not. I don't think that's a spoiler because I think they actually had. They did like an advertising run, then they did another one, and then their third advertising run. Yeah. They had to put a disclaimer in it to say, "Please be aware, the dog. Yeah. The dog's okay." Well, there's a website called Does the Dog Die, and you can see if a dog is, or an animal or anything you're sensitive to happens in a movie, which I think is great because I think. John. I looked that up the other day. Yes, a dog is kicked and then killed. Um, right at the start of the movie. Yeah, it's, although, it's, it, yeah. It, it's pretty rough. But, you know, you can you can sense the rage-fueled revenge fest he goes on afterwards has a real sort of core to it, because I would be the same. Um, so, yeah, Love and Monsters. Uh, uh, Dylan O'Brien is the, the star. Very good movie. It's got uh, Michael Rooker is in it. Nice. Uh, and it's if, if you like monster movies, apocalypse movies... Post-apocalyptic movies, it's great. Yeah, it ticks everything. It's funny. It's action-packed. It didn't make much money at the box office because it came out just as the pandemic hit. <laughs> it deserved to make a lot more money. Um, so I definitely recommend that one. Uh, another one I watched quite recently is called The Hunt, uh, which I've realised I like really, really twisted movies that not many people... Mainstream, but that not many people are going to seek out. The Hunt... Um, which I've got the disc here, actually, so I'll just get it so I can crib the details. That's that's the one. That's the one. So it's got Betty Gilpin, who's in Glow. Oh yeah, uh, who's phenomenal in it. Um, Craig Zabel is the director, and in this in this subversive satire, a group of elites gather for the first time at a remote manor house to hunt ordinary Americans for sport. I saw I saw a trailer for this recently. <laughs> Really good, really sick. Um, it goes there with the with the action and the gore. There is one of uh, the best fight scenes uh, between two women at the end of the film that I've ever seen. They beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> um, really good. And then recently, and for the first time in about 30 years, I saw the original version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1956. Ooh, nice. Um, and I can recommend that as well um, with Kevin McCarthy, who's an old Joe Dante, a lot of Joe Dante movies. Yeah. Um, and in fact, he pops up in the 78 version of Body Snatchers and he's still shouting, you're next, you're next, like he's been doing that for like 30 years. So it's a good, nice little... Yeah. So yeah, the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. In fact, I, I, I seem to be seeking out a lot of 50s movies lately. Things like Incredible Shrinking Man and um, and Hammer as well, Hammer movies and stuff. Yeah. I think it comes and there comes a natural point where I'm enjoying modern movies and I'm enjoying the classics, but I start watching movies from like 60, 70 years ago that I've never seen or that I've only seen once because it's a very rich, uh, there's some very rich pickings there. So they're, they're my three recommendations. I, I've, I've suddenly, I don't, I don't know why, I don't know what's happened, but I've suddenly stumbled onto like, if the film is set in Afghanistan and it starts with the words based on a true story I'm there and then because my brother-in-law did two tours of Afghanistan then I just spend all my time going so in this film when this happened how real is that is how close to how close to being real is that and he's like yeah yeah it's real it's real and I'm like yeah and I just like it's it's terrifying on a whole different level it's not a horror movie it's not it's not a gore fest it's that what we were talking about before it it's real so it's scary because it's real well like the hurt locker is a good one for that isn't it it's it's not i 
I watched back to back. Um, I watched Lone Survivor, which has been on my to watch list for donkeys. And then what, yeah. one evening, I was just like, I've been meaning to watch that. Click. So I watched yeah. it, and just I think I got like halfway through, and I like texted my brother in law like, "Have you seen this film?" He's like, "Yeah, it's a great film." I was like, "How real is this?" He's like, "Oh, it's absolutely like true to what happened." I'm like, "How?" Like these <laughs> these these poor guys, like what they went through. It's like, and then I'd, I'd seen a clip of the guy that survived being on Joe Rogan and talking about it, and it's like, ah. And like my brother-in-law's like, right, well, if you if that's what you're watching, I've got another one to recommend. And he recommended a film called The Outpost, which I'd never heard of. Yeah, I've never I've seen it. I've heard of it, but I don't know if I've watched it. Never heard of it, and was like, okay. And then like the the first few people that are in it, it's like Scott Eastwood, Orlando Bloom, one of the guys from the the new X Men films. I was like, okay, how has this film passed me by? And again, yeah. starts with based on a true story, and yeah. I was like, "What is happening?" So I, I I don't know why, but I suddenly stumbled into this. If it's if it's a true based on a true story, and you know, at a particular point in time, I'm just I'm like, "Yeah, let's do it." Um, yeah, you, you go through these uh, journeys, don't you, where you just have to watch yeah. a certain type of movie for a while. I think yeah. it's I think it's doing like the superhero run and then doing the Star Wars run. I I think I'm maybe trying to get myself a bit more grounded. Uh, my mind's yeah. probably in a in a galaxy far far away. Let's say. Yeah, mine lives there. <laughs> and and there is nothing wrong with that. Um, TV wise, I know that your your um, your expertise doesn't end at movies. So TV wise, if you yeah. had to say these are the three must watch TV programs that you've seen either before or recently, what would they be? Well, I haven't finished it yet, but I started Westworld recently, which everyone else has probably seen. Um, <laughs> Westworld is phenomenal. Um, it's the implication, the moral implications of you know creating a park full of robots that you then abuse is something that's been you know explored time and time again since, since, I don't know, since books were written. Um, it's a great premise. Obviously, Michael Crichton did the original yeah. film. Um, that's brilliant. The cast are brilliant. So I definitely recommend that. But I, I got into it very late. Um, I've enjoyed a couple of series recently that are about real-life business monsters. So The Dropout, starring Amanda Seyfried. She's just brilliant in it as Elizabeth Holmes. Um, she kind of speaks like this, but she just, like, she's, just, she's amazing. She just does the whole thing. And I also enjoyed We Crashed, which is about the WeWork team. Mm. And so it's got Anne Hathaway and Jared Leto in it, and they play, you know, Adam Newman and uh, his partner who um, who set up WeWork, and they're just so narcissistic. It's just hilarious because you sort of want them to fail, but you sort of don't because <laughs> they're just so – they're crazy. They're absolutely crazy. Um and I don't know, so that, that's probably that's probably three. But um, what have I watched recently? And then, like you, like you were saying when we started, I've just rewatched Spaced um, for probably about the thirtieth time. So, <laughs> so I have this thing that I reached a point with Space, and this was probably like originally and the years following it that I think I reached a point where I was like, I can put Spaced on a shelf. And probably never watch it again. I think I had c 
completely absorbed it into myself. <laughs> and then flicking through Netflix one evening, and it's there. It's like it's on on Netflix. And I remember it going on. It went on a while ago, and it just seems yeah. to be. It just seems to be there. And I was like, I jokingly turned to her. I was like, Oh, we could always watch Space. And she was like, Go on then, stick it on. Let's see if it stands up. So. The, the shortest version is, I think we were like four episodes in or something, and the short version is, it does stand up. I have laughed hard. I mean, it, it's weird because I know the lines before they're said, I know the, the way they're said, the, the, like all of that, but it, I, I laughed before, you know, before the jokes are up. I will say this, not all of it has aged well. Some... Yes. Some subject matters would not maybe fly these these, these days. Um, I think they had a reunion a couple of years ago, and Simon Pegg picked up on the one joke he was rather ashamed of, which was the, the big fat tranny one. So um, I was going to say uh, the uh, we watched uh, the, the the vulva episode last night, and both of us, the moment that joke comes up, both of us were like, yeah. that's not going to fly now," and. That's true, but- being Netflix, bearing in mind that I know that Netflix are one of the services that have removed uh, certain episodes of It's Always Sunny. Um, uh, it has a banner on It's Always Sunny that says not not a complete series because they've removed multiple episodes. Right. Um, I was surprised that it, it's still there in its entirety because there are... That's not the only thing so far yeah. that might not have aged quite so well. Well, that's it. And people do talk about, you know, friends and stuff like that, aging badly and stuff. But that's what it is. It's just that things do age. And a joke that seems funny at the time, once people have become aware of how offensive it is to certain people, you can't keep making that joke because why would you do that? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's not funny anymore. It's like you're not proving a point by making jokes like that once you know they're really offensive and you fully know they're really offensive to certain things. That, and if you do, you will face the consequences. <laughs> so beware. Yeah. I think some people mistake that for free speech. They're like, I should be able to say anything I want. It's like, you can say anything you want. It's a free country. Mm. However, but people, people are very free to counter what you've said. With yeah. Their... <laughs> very so, much so. Watch out. Yeah. But space, I think, is... I think uh, it's one of the things ever made. Yeah, it, hands down, and it's it's weird because, it, like I say, it was a series that I just I just absolutely absorbed it, and then sitting and watching it, and this time going, hang on a minute, these episodes were written by Simon Pegg and Jessica Stevenson, is it? At the time, it's Jessica Hines now, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, yes, uh, she has she has changed the name. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, I was always like, I part of me in my head always had it down as Edgar Wright, but it was directed by Edgar Wright, but they, they wrote those episodes, and it's like, oh, yeah. cool. And Jessica Hines, apparently these days she was talking about, and she said she put most of the Star Wars stuff in. She said people assume it's going to be Simon, but she said no, she's a big Star Wars fan, so, you know, a lot of the film references were Jessica Hines. Bless her, I mean, it just makes you love her even more, she's yeah. such a funny performer yeah. and she's a great writer and she's done a lot of great stuff since but I think you know even obviously Shaun of the Dead is and there's an interesting podcast Edgar Wright's always very 
candid about what happened on Shaun of the Dead. There's a brilliant book out actually called You've Got Red on You, which I can definitely recommend. It's about yes. making sure. Of it. Yes. But uh, when the film came out, people thought that Edgar directed it and Simon wrote it. And Edgar would be like, no, I wrote it as well. <laughs> and he, he got really narky. No, I did it as well. Yeah, exactly. He's like, no, I'm a writer as well as a director. <laughs> and so is Simon. He's a writer. You know, <laughs> credit where it's due. And I think, you know, like with Zomblog, me, me, Hannah and Tony, if one of us gets missed out, the other two are like, come on, mention all three of us. We're all equal. <laughs> I, I, and I don't know, I don't know how to quite word this, but of the, of the trio, when two of you are of the male variety and one of you is of the female variety i always look and i'm always like uh and i always fear that at some point like one of you might get missed off um so it's yeah. it's always nice whenever i see that all three of you get get the mentions get the dues that you saw sort of i mean i'll say i'll just say we try a couple of times i've done an interview and i've been very um magnanimous and i've always said look it's it's a third it just is it's me tony and hannah we're a third each on block all the way um but occasionally they've interviewed me and then said and the other two you know and it's like no 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 it's not it's not me no, no. and the other yeah i'm just the guy you're talking to yeah. and I, I want you to put them in as much so i felt quite i always feel really guilty last time that happened i had to say the other two, please don't hate me but they've done it just the interview with me and then they they've just angled it as if it's me and you two i said just and they're like yeah well these things happen <laughs> so we're always angling for and i know it happens with them um, with the host lot actually is that the Gemma hurley who's one of the writers is always like i get missed off I get missed off a lot, yeah. and it's like, don't do that. No. <laughs> they're, no. they're the creative. No, the creative is is very much the, that that unit. Yeah, exactly. Well, there we go. I have I have exhausted my list of questions that I hastily wrote <laughs> two days ago, and then came back to it and was like, is this going to be enough? Is this enough? Is it's this enough? enough? Um, I, can't, I as as always. Uh, I know I know you are a busy man, um, and I can't thank you enough for coming on and taking your time out to join me. If these lovely people, these lovely listeners, or indeed watchers, want to get in touch with you, uh, is there a way that they can do that? Is there some form of social media that you are prepared to allow the masses to have? Let me think. Hmm. Yeah. No. <laughs> No, let me think no see you later <laughs> yeah it's a big no from me um yeah i'm on twitter uh, miles watts film uh and i'm on um instagram at miles of the films as in sean of the dead miles nice. of the film miles with an i i'm not really on facebook personally but zomblog is so basically if you google zomblogalypse yeah. you can spell it um no, that's on all of the socials as well. It's all the same name on each one. Yeah. Uh, so we're always welcoming people to the website. So, um, you know, as soon as there's news of the film as well, I'll let you know as well. Fantastic. Um, I'll, um, yeah. I'll, get that. I'll get it out on our socials and stuff um, for, nice. for anybody that actually checks our socials. There we go. That is it. A big thank you to Miles for joining me. Big thank you to the lovely listeners and watchers for joining us. Look out for Star Wars yes. Mental Health Podcast. Those are two <laughs> different things. They or are not. Are or are they? Um, <laughs> and um, we look forward to seeing Miles and you lovely people back here once again at another point. 
Thank yeah. you all very much, and especially you, Miles, and I'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. So there you go. What do you think of that? Fantastic having Miles back on. Um, one of those things, I know I'm biased, but I thoroughly enjoyed that podcast. I uh, I always There are certain people that I love to have on and will have on the podcast anytime, and Miles is up there at the top of the list. Thank you for listening along. Thank you for joining myself and Miles. Stay tuned for some of our future projects. Before you go, please do consider like, share, subscribe, comment, and if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. You can also check out our website, thecookiecast.com. There we've got social media links, an email button. You can get in touch with us. Tell us how you like this podcast. Is this something you want to see more of? If so, let us know. That's it for this one. And uh, I will see you next time.